to have passion in life is everything. What's your Everest? Oh, is it yeah. that 200-inch buck? They just look so impressive when they're wide. Especially running away. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Eastman's Elevated. It's like a think tank for outdoor activity. Sounds exactly like my hunting. Just always thinking about it, always trying to evolve it and make it better. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Hey, what's happening, guys? So would you look at that? We got an intro. Uh, Eastman's has just been helping me out so much here lately, uh, just trying to grow the the podcast, and they really believe in it, and have been putting a bunch of effort into it, and helping me out with with intros, audio quality, with content, with guests. Um, so I'm really excited at where this thing's headed, and I just need to continue to do my part to put out quality content and and get quality guests, and and get that out to you guys, so we can all be better in the woods. So. Um, today's episode is from the podcast tour. So when me and Ike and Guy, we, we traveled around and, and went to some of these different outdoor companies and then sat down with the minds behind them. And, and today is we sat down with Cryptic. And we sat down with the founders, Butch and Josh, and then their right-hand man, Justin. And what a great group of guys. So, so these guys come from a military background, and they had all done tours overseas. And then, you know, they... All the while, they were thinking about starting this outdoor company, and they came back and started this company from scratch. and they, And they've been building quality gear ever since, but they just keep evolving it and, and keep building uh, better and better gear with a with a better fit. and And they just evolved this into you know a super company with some of the best gear out there on the market. Um, they have their new Altitude series, which check it out. Eastman's did a review on it in uh, Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal. Uh, episode or uh, issue 160 and then you can also find it online but this new shoulder fabric that they're running is just absolutely unbelievable waterproof fabric and and they're the first ones to bring it to the hunting market and and they're they're running the technical mountaineering gear that we that we all love and need and and they're just putting a, a bunch of effort into building the the highest quality gear they can for for us mountain hunters and and, and they've really evolved their camo patterns, and they offer different camo patterns. And the, we'll talk about some of the rigorous testing that it's gone through from the military, and um, just just a, a a group of really good guys that that worked really hard serving in the military. Thanks for their service, and and, and then have worked really hard at, at building this brand of Cryptic. And so, you know, if you're in the market for new gear, give Cryptic a look. I, I was super impressed with what they have and, and what they're coming out with. So uh, make sure to check that out. Um, also, stay tuned. At the end, we run a story. Butch tells us this story of hunting in, uh, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna mess out up the pronunciation, but uh, I'll 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 oh God I can't even say it. But but this foreign country that borders Iran that gets really sketchy really quick, and and he's hunting tur up there, and and uh, he just tells this great story from from hunting up there. I think it was the year before. Uh, so I'll have that at the end of the podcast. We'll put on that story so you guys can listen to that. Um, over there at Eastman's. Um, boy, we're just all all working hard. We're all out in the field hunting, and and uh, I know we're working hard on our articles to get those turned in on time, and and uh, make sure we have new article ideas for the the next year coming up. But I'm really excited at the magazine and and uh, just just the quality of content that we're putting out, and uh, both from the 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 staff writers and the new staff writers and and then also from the subscriber stories just just really putting out some great stuff and if you harvest a trophy this year make sure to send us your uh, trophy photos and story you know we'd love to publish it 
Um, right now we're running our preseason special for subscriptions. So you guys have probably heard me talking about this. This is a new subscription special. It's the um, early season special, and it's uh, you you get a subscription to both magazines, and then we throw in a, a Yeti tumbler um, if you just pay shipping and handling on it. So the subscription's thirty nine ninety nine plus the tumbler. Um, you can put in code. Let's see, it's um, EEPSS17. So, and I figured out what that stands for. It's Eastman's Elevated Preseason Special 17. So EEPSS17 uh, for that special on Eastman's. And uh, with that, let's get this thing rolling. Uh, let's start talking to these guys at Cryptic and and uh, uh, Eastman's Elevated. Here we go. I'm here at the Cryptic office. I'm over here with Ike, and we're doing our Eastman's tour. And I'm sitting down with uh, Josh and Butch, the founders of Cryptic, and then also your right-hand man, Justin. Um, you guys tell me that Justin bleeds Cryptic. Is that true? That yeah. Bleed yeah. was bleed was not the exact term they used. Oh, gotcha. Uh, uh, piss is Cryptic is what I heard, I guess. It would be the true way I have to say it. Um, so, yeah, so really happy to sit down with you guys. You guys got an awesome office here in Boise. Um, you guys are making some great products. Um, maybe you guys can just start by giving me the um, the start of the company and maybe a little background. Butch, maybe you can start. Well, first of all, I just want to say it's great to have you guys here. Super cool. Um, long, long lifetime fans of the Eastman's brand and family. It's great to have you guys stop by. Um, uh, and actually, the beginning of Cryptic starts a little bit with Eastman's. Um, so, you know, when it starts is Josh and I are deployed um, in a third world shithole, northern Iraq, Talifar, and we were not doing missions. We lived vicariously through a number of means, whether they were hunting DVDs, hunting magazines, and primarily what I always look forward to in my quote-unquote care packages was Eastman Hunting Journal. And we just basically became enamored with the idea of how cool would it be to be able to get in the outdoor industry and to sustain a business that could support our family and support what we truly love to do, which was to hunt. And uh, at this time, I think that um, we've been to Iraq and Afghanistan, you know, literally years uh, on end and missed all kinds of hunting opportunities, opening days of hunting. Um, and we just basically were living vicariously through our friends that were able to still do that while we were in Afghanistan or in this case, Iraq. And uh, that's when the idea of Cryptic um, started to be born, which was this whole uh, lots of time downrange. There's lots of improvements that were made in both weaponry, technologies, and so on, but also in apparel. And the idea to spiral some of those features and functions out of the apparel that had been improved into the hardcore backcountry hunting market. And as Josh and I would sit around when we weren't doing missions, um, we'd compare notes, tell stories, talked about equipment failures, we talked about how it could have been better, what we could have done better, and basically that's where the idea light bulb came on, is uh, what if we took some of these new lessons learned, these new ideas, these new features, and basically brought them into the backcountry, and that is where we came up with the battlefield of the backcountry. And so uh, it went from a concept into... Um, basically a real stagnant phase where we were just kind of continuing to toy with the idea, continuing to build a business model out of it to fruition. 
And it really starts where hobby phase starts, where we started our hobby was when Cabela's got a hold of this business model. And they were just enamored and totally focused on one single sentence in this 25-page business model. And the, and the sentence was to spiral features and functions out of special operations apparel into hardcore civilian hunting gear. That was it. And they called me up out of the blue in 2009. I just separated from the military. Josh was still in the military at the time. And so we absolutely love this idea. Can we meet with you? We flew to Sydney, Nebraska, and uh, we entered into an exclusive with Cabela's. And we were with them for a couple, two or three years. Um, and the only place you could buy Cryptic was at Cabela's. And they were going after the guy that's a kind of a shooter, tactical guy. Um, crossover to a hunting guy in that gray area and um, they had tried this before but they failed because they didn't have any authenticity or any true credibility and uh, we entered into a deal with them I think that they made a shit ton of money we made very very little money out of it but it was a place to start I think the big win for us is we went into they say 11 million cattle um, so we started to get exposure and have like two pages in Cabela's. And we went from being former soldiers to all of a sudden, you know, we got a product in the outdoor industry. Um, so anyway, there's a lot of things that happened after that. Probably the next big miraculous deal we had happen was we entered into a government solicitation for a new family of camouflage that came down. They wanted to um, basically have a, a new camouflage for the U.S. Army. And we had some concepts and ideas, and uh, we'd already been working on that, but it was accelerated by the solicitation that had been developed by the Department of Defense. Um, we based our camouflage off of camouflage netting, because even though it goes back to World War II, um, it's the most effective concealment measure, passive concealment measure on the battlefield next to a ghillie suit. And uh, we started our camo development completely different than other companies. We um, started at 400 meters because that's the max effective range of a 5.56 round on M16 or M4. Mm -hmm. And we stopped it at 10 meters. And uh, we developed it for three areas. The geometry, the macro, and the micro pattern remain the same. But the three regions we focused on was an arid environment, desert, um, a transitional environment, which is everything between desert to a woodland environment. And we developed three different colorways for that same camouflage. And those are our nomad pattern, our highlander pattern, and then our uh, mandrake pattern. So um, goes into this extensive testing. There's a major, major push. There's like 60 some odd companies that actually submit uh, on this, and it gets whittled down immediately to about 24 companies because the other companies did not meet spec. Um, and then it went into the phase one testing. And the phase one testing, they took 900 soldiers over the period of one year. They put them in a room, and they'd have a big screen up on the wall, and there would be uh, a picture of a valley or a picture of a shot of the mountainside or you know, a shot of the wood line, wood line or a field or whatever. And inside that picture, there'd be a two-scale silhouette of a man. And they had the soldiers wear a halo device that dropped down and tracked their retinas. And when the picture came up, 
they would measure in microseconds how long it took for them to acquire the target. And obviously the longer the better. And so um, they down-selected the four companies out of that out of that testing. The other three companies were all giant billion-dollar companies. And Cryptic was just myself and Claycorn, wherever laptop computers were. We're also the only guys that had any combat experience and so on and so forth. It was a major break for us. It was also extremely effective camouflage. We went into the phase two testing. Phase two testing was conducted all over the world. Naked eye acquisition, force on force, Afghanistan, Iraq, Africa, anywhere there was a military installation, and in the U.S. included. And they did uh, um, not only daytime force on force acquisition, but also nighttime uh, under enhanced visual acquisition, infrared and short radio infrared under night vision guard. Um, we did extremely, extremely well in that phase as well, and actually crushed that as well. Uh, but it started to become extremely political, and um, bottom line is that Congress passed a bill that said that the entire U.S. military, Army, Air Force, Marine Corps, Coast Guard, Border Patrol, anybody that was federally funded, was going to all go to the same camel by 2018, and they never actually announced or released the Phase Two test results. And so the U.S. Army did not adopt a new camouflage that was a part of this $10 million test. So part of our claim to fame, I guess, today, and what we, we do tout and we will be, you know, boastful about is that we're the only camouflage that's in the civilian hunting market that's been extensively tested by the U.S. government and also selectively used by special operations, both Navy Special Warfare and Army Special Warfare. And we have programs now in both U.S. Navy and Army Special Warfare, and also Coalition uh, Special Warfare. Also. So in addition to our hunting line, which was the reason why we're here, the reason why we want you know, to get going in the outdoor industries, also resulted this whole path in us having programs um, with the world's tier one black soft, we call them, uh, you know, all coalition-friendly folks. Mm -hmm. And those are programs that are very compliant, made in the USA, um, that we're not heavily marketing or offering up right now at this point to everyone, but uh, they do exist, and it is a major part of our business right now. So in a nutshell, we went to from um, concept to hobby phase. We were in hobby phase for a long time, and in 2014, we decided this is something we can really get behind. And that's where we consolidated back to Idaho, where I grew up and moved from. And uh, and that's the reason why we are here now, is that now our total focus is on cryptic and it's not on military or any other distractions. And uh, those are probably the two major breaks that I mentioned that have led us to where we are today. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Uh, to have that kind of testing in a camo pattern, a $10 million testing of the camo patterns of how it blends in and in different habitats. And I, you, I think it's really cool as well that you have multiple camo patterns that blend in in different places um, that are specialized for those places. I think that's really neat. Yeah. Well, you know, there's a lot of marketing that's about undulance and how undulants see from in the hunting community and so on. All of the stuff that we have is actually predator-based. So you have somebody who's trying to kill you, acquire you. Predator hunters 
also experience that wolves, coyotes, foxes, that type of things. And then you get into what I call tier one undulants, which would be like sheep, pronghorn, things that are super, super sensitive to their eyes, not so reliant upon their nose. But the end state is that it's extremely effective regardless of how undulant sees. And until I'm an undulant, I don't know, and I don't think any of that marketing really knows, but at the end of the day, I just know it's going to work against um, somebody that's actually trying to acquire or something, and we know it also works against things like elk deer, moose, um, all those types of things as well. Yep. Absolutely. Well, and, and with that, um, you know, you guys have developed your camo pattern, um, but you also have developed the highest quality technical gear and you've worked really hard on your gear and your, your, your waterproof material. Talk a little bit about that for me. Your shoulder stuff. Yeah. Your shoulder. Yeah. So we launched a new line this year that we basically spent 24, uh, at least 24 months, maybe 30 months on. And that's our, our shoulder um, fabric altitude line. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so it's an extremely technical line. It's also by far the most expensive line that's on the market now. The reason why it's so expensive is, number one, the fabrics are extremely high-tech. They're out of Switzerland. Then they're printed in Germany. They're, we're the only hunting brand in the world that is doing anything with. They have other brands that they are doing things with that are extremely high end that people might be familiar with, such as Arteryx, Salomon, Black Diamond, and the list goes on. But at the end of the day, there's a lot of education we still have to do in the hunting market. And, you know, ultimately, what makes the altitude program different from anything else that's out there? Because I have programs that are similar to the other programs in Asia. I've got USA-made fabrics that are domestically produced, and then I have these fabrics. Is the end user really needs to understand and truly appreciate the inherent values of the fabrics and the technologies that are in these. There's some really good fabrics that are out there, but we put shoulder up against any anybody and anything. Um, things such as smart fabrics, like the laminate. So the laminates, the big one that's in, in our collection is the sea change laminate, which actually um, expands and contracts based off of the temperature of the end user. So the more aerobic you are, the pores open up in the laminate and allow the transfer airflow to move back and forth. So when you hear these arguments about permeability, waterproofness, 40-40, 10-10, 20-20, when you talk about the sheet sea chain laminate, it, it varies. You'd have to ask the question, well, how active are you? And what's the temperature of the end user? When you sum it out and you put this on and you're actually cold, then those pores constrict and it limits the airflow through. So you're going to be still warm. You're going to be warm. Those types of technologies are, are all built in through the shoulder piece. And there's a ton of them to actually talk about and explain, but the biggest and most critical thing to discuss is the durability aspect meets the performance aspect. And that's where the true win is. So when you don some of this gear, you are now getting the sweet spot. You're getting the most durable and highest performance out of your gear. Whereas what some of our competitors might you know, it's claim all this performance, but then you put it in the field and you go from wearing a pair of rain pants to wearing a pair of 
pair of rain shorts. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It tests great. Uh-huh. It performs great when you're in the, in the test room. But you put it in the field and it doesn't hold up. That's, that's always the major deal. I mean, you know, you guys are cowboys from Wyoming. I know for a fact you have Carhartt somewhere in your home. I've got Carhartt, too. I've got a little farm as well. Performs is there with durability, but I'm not going to wear that on a sheep hunt in Northwest Territories or Alaska, right? Mm-hmm. It's extremely durable, and you can have a jacket for 10 or 15 years, and it's never going to fall apart. Flip that around on the hunting side. Some of the stuff today now is great for a hunt or a season, but how long is it going to last you? And that's the true end state with the altitude program. Mm-hmm. And the shoulder, and the reason why it took us so long to work with these guys is that you get the pinnacle of a company that's been doing this since 1940 in the mountaineering market, and they truly understand it. When you claim mountaineering on your taglines or brand or whatever, you probably should partner with somebody that's been doing it for more than a year or two. These guys have been doing it for decades, for decades. And so that's truly what makes the difference on the altitude collection versus the other collections. Now, I love our collection overall, and I will throw it against anything else. The Highlander stuff that you see at Sportsman's Warehouse, the Cabela's are there. But hands down, the shoulder fabrics are going to outperform when we talk about durability and how, the shoulder is so unique. How come they've never entered the hunting industry before? And how did that, I mean, you guys are unique in that. And I, I commend you. That's amazing. I've heard, I've actually heard your competitors talk that it's amazing you guys got in with shoulder. <laughs> well, I personally think it's because of these guys sitting right here. Because these guys, Josh, Josh and Justin, Started relationships with these guys um, at the show, at the shows, OR, um, Iwa, you know, some other shows, and then we started to develop some rapport. I think when they sat down and actually started to hear, you know, more about who we were, the brand, that type of thing, they started to become more comfortable with it. And then, really, what sealed the deal after we got through those very, very elementary steps was when we printed our fabric and we've actually been to their facility in switzerland and when their teams saw the cryptic altitude pattern on their fabrics they really lost their mind and they you know many of them don't hunt at all many of them don't even know anything about the military they're just extremely you know smart smart individuals but they just thought man this is really badass this is super and we sit back down with them and we talk about, you know, why and what and so on. And they learn more about us. And it becomes this big self-looking ice cream cone where, you know, they just want to be a part of it. And so we just, like everything else along the way, we found some favor as we, as we started down the journey. I believe that the reason why shoulder hasn't been in, introduced into the U.S. hunting market is because it's extremely cumbersome, which, would, you know, what you're mentioning here, to get through that process. And then it's also very, very expensive. And so you have to have the right end user. The customer needs to be the right guys that are going to really, truly appreciate this longevity of this stuff. So um, at the end of the day, the, the tedious aspect has been really the shoulder growth and the shoulder relationship. Um, Justin, 
you got any comments? Um, I mean, just like you said, the the process and kind of working through them and, and talking to them and meeting with them and, and really understanding the technical features of the garments are what really you know drew Josh and I to it. Um, Josh really is the one that introduced me to it. And it really from day one, he's like, if we want the best, we have to get short. And he was very adamant about that. And it wasn't an easy process by any means. But as we got through it, and we started to learn about the dry scan and the sea change and, and all the different technologies and, and the things that they do. And when we visited their factory and we saw all of the technologies that are working on they haven't even released, it, it, it just blows your mind. I mean, they really spend a lot of money, not in marketing, but in R&D and creating um, technologies for the end user in the mountaineering and the alpine, you know, in the hardcore industry type, you know, activists in the outdoors. And so... We were excited as we started to explore the options and, and just, you know, kind of as Josh and I started talking about the technologies and how things incorporated in, where they would be used and, and even some of the technologies that we haven't seen can be used and in, you know, the outdoor and also, you know, military market. Mm-hmm. Man, that's so cool. And it says so much about you guys as a company, like researching the absolute best fabric to make the best piece of gear for for both military and for backcountry hunters and, and being willing to spend more on that gear and and maybe you know I don't want to say shooting yourself in the foot but making it really tough to market as well because it does cost so much to make that you have to charge that much for your product and you have to educate you know your 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 buyers or your consumers to what that product is and why it's worth that much yeah the gear obviously isn't, you know, for, you know, all uses out there, but it was designed for the pinnacle of the market. I mean, we designed this around the sheep hunting type gear. And there's a couple other things that make it really unique. Um, we use a lot of nylon-based fabrics. And, and part of that goes into Josh was, was very particular on how our colors match. And the only way you can get a true color match is by doing wet print. And so going through that process and seeing your lightweight pants matching your rain gear perfectly and the way that the color transitions from each, you know, was really a positive. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the only program in the hunting market that is actually printed, wet print across the entire board. Um, and the only other place you see that's in the tactical market. Mm-hmm. And so any other major brand collection you go and look at is going to be done with e-transfer paper. And that wasn't in and it's an aspirational, you know, project for sure. But if you start to look at some of the other brands that are out there using using this technologies and their marketing collateral, they have major programs that are in place as well. I think that, in, you know, we've got a lot of work to do to educate the end user. Um, I'd give accolades to Black Diamond out of Utah and there's some shoulder uh, collateral that they put together and why they have that collection. Um, we need to do the same thing or something similar uh, to educate, you know, the the hunting community about why it is and where it stands. But if you were to take and say, I want a pair of shoulder soft shell pants and go on eBay and try to do a search for somebody selling it or go just look in the community of the other brands that are out there, you could probably find something. They're going to be priced at the same place or higher. Maybe you can get a good deal. Um, if somebody's trying to get rid of a, a personal pair or whatever, these these items are being used in the hunting market right now, but they're being used by individuals that just want the very best, and they're running a brand that's tagged, probably by a company that doesn't support hunting. 
expensive because most of those brands that are using this product are are not um, they're not uh, you know not hunting friendly definitely not hunting Yep. And so um, the, the technology has, has been here, but it's been with, with bigger outdoor companies that aren't involved in the hunting industry, which is really nice that you guys can bring it to the hunting industry and offer it to us hunters where we can put our dollars that, that go towards hunting. Um, so that's a great thing you guys are doing. And then along with that, you guys have uh, a lot of other technical gear as far as base layers, um, as far as insulating layers. You guys have the complete system for technical gear. Yeah, we have an absolute, you know, collection from a layering perspective or mentality that and it covers merino wool base layers and synthetic base layers up into whether you want synthetic uh, insulations or down insulation. Um, you know, the it a lot of it's uh, dependent upon the environment you're going to go into, the time of year you're going to go into the environment, and what you're going to be pursuing. And you know, when Cryptic was born in Alaska. I can promise you nobody's running a down sleeping bag in Alaska that's float hunting or river hunting, right? It's the same thing when it comes back into your apparel, whether you want to run primal loft or if you want to run allied down. Um, there's advantages and disadvantages to both. And so the offerings there, those collections are actually going to be blown out even more. So we're going to have, have collections that, uh, you know, for the down pieces that, you know, if you want to go with Allied Down, here is an, uh, a whole number of variants. If you want synthetic insulation, here's a number of, of variants. But you have to have the flexibility, I think, um, to be able to tailor your assortment to whatever the conditions you're going to face. And do so in a fashion where you don't have you know, a suitcase you're hunting out of a backpack. Mm -hmm. That type of thing, the minimalist approach and making the most out of the weight, yeah, you know, consideration and also the space. Oh, you're so right, Butch. That's so cool that you offer both pieces uh, of insulating gear and that you can tailor it for your hunt or for the individual and the species you're hunting. Because you're right, um, the down has such great insulating properties, but it can't get damp or it can't get wet or it's no good to you. And so if you're in a wetter climate or you're going to be dealing with moisture, the synthetic's going to be a better choice for you. Where if you're in a drier climate or a colder climate um, where you get that dry cold, then that down would be a good choice for you. So that's really cool that you guys offer both types. Yeah. Well, you know, I've heard guys say that, you know, you guys that use synthetic insulation don't know how to thermal regulate and know when to stop and shed layers and, and take them off or, you know, manage, manage the system. And I don't necessarily agree with that in a hunting condition. You hear that in the mountaineering and you hear it, you know, in the hiking and that type of thing. But when you get into a hunting scenario, it might not be a good time to stop, take all your clothes off, put them in your backpack and continue to run up to get to the saddle so you can shoot the bull that you just pushed out of the pocket, you know. Yeah, it's not easy to do that on a stock, in the middle of a stock. Go, oh, wait, just a minute. i got to take my bino harness off, my backpack off, my puppy layer or yeah. my outer layer to get my puppy layer off, put it in the backpack, and I'm only 60 yards from this yeah. animal. There's That's no, not key. no pause. I need to thermal regulate right. button. Right. Yep. So, um, you know, there is some personal management and field craft and that type of thing to understand your own limitations and that sort of stuff. But there's also the aspect that you're in a situation where you may never get another opportunity like this again. And so I want to have the gear that's going to, our end users need to have the gear that's going to allow them to uh, succeed 
and still survive the next night after they get down there and chase the bull way further in the canyon. <laughs> <laughs> no one's ever done that. <laughs> Just everybody in this room, right? <laughs> yeah, for so, sure. So let's talk about let's talk a little bit about the conservation. I know Josh was really involved in a conservation movement uh, thing at Sheath Foundation uh, banquet this year. You want to talk about that, Josh? No, you're just reading a book. You're just reading a book. You're, you're reading uh, the tall tales of. Let's, seriously, talk about that. That was one of the defining one of a, a very defining moment in my life. Witnessing what you guys did for for that young lady that was in, extremely impressive. Wind of Warriors Outdoors. So yeah, we're involved with uh, Wind of Warriors Outdoors, great organization. Ron Rabal knows it. He's a true American. Never served a day in his life in the military. He's a very successful businessman, and his goal in life is to give back to Wind of Warriors, greatest guy in the world. So he's up an organization that's taking true vetted Wind of Warriors. That's through the vetting process, they <clears throat> they're not fake, they're not anything. They've actually been there, done that. <clears throat> and so he's provided an organization that takes them to fulfill their goals. A lot of them are have, have never hunted. In fact, Wounded Warriors Outdoors has taken over the Wounded Warriors um, organization that's been kicked out of the military because they've been corrupt and had all kinds of bad, bad things happen through mismanagement of their own Hierarchy. When the Warriors Outdoors has filled that gap. So Ron and that organization works directly with um, Balboa and the uh, hospital in San Antonio. With Wounded Warriors, as soon as they arrive there, Ron's organization has people on the ground that actually is there to meet them. And they start the vetting process then and the rehabilitation. And one thing you learn in you know, the veterans that have been wounded is you know, there's, they, now that you're wounded, you're being pushed out of the military, not by your choice, just by circumstance. So there's a big void that's been missing out of their outer life from camaraderie and adventure, just that whole aspect of it. So he's done a very good job of providing that for them, or at least for trying to, and taking them on that. Yes, uh, Chrissy, we support Chrissy Ennis 100%. She's uh, an amputated uh, female. She's going to be climbing Everest next year. Wow, that's uh, amazing. Yep, it will be the first woman amputee to ever climb everything. She better be doing it in perfect. No, going for In the altitude version, right? No, she wants a, she wants the Inferno to raise orange so I think she gets lost in the fighter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so cool. And so uh, you guys put together um, some gear for where she's going to be climbing Everest in, in your guys' gear. Um, so that's what you were talking about, Ike, at the sheep no, show? That, I didn't even know about that. I'm talking about the buffalo hunt you guys you guys uh, helped her out with last year. And she went to Wild Sheep Foundation, and they presented her with the buffalo and the carving. That I mean, just yeah. the whole process. And, yeah, so and one of Chrissy's uh, passions was she really wanted to kill a buffalo, so... We should say a bison, because yeah, we bison. misuse that out west all the time. Correct. So down in, uh, took about 20 wood warriors down to a very nice, nice, nice ranch in Texas. Um, one thing about wood warriors is you got to cater to the needs of the end client and still provide a good, you know, a good situation for them. Anyways, yeah, it took Chrissy on a, a, a buffalo hunt, and she was, at that point, she, so 
Christy had, uh, was in the helicopter crash, lost half her leg, and the little stubborn person that she is, she wanted to walk across Eakland for awareness. And they told her, if you do this, you're going to lose the rest of your leg. And she said, I don't give a damn. I'm going to do it. So it took her months. And she walked across England, which is how she became very good friends with Prince Harry. After that, she made it, and she lost the rest of her leg. So it's been a long process of them cutting more and more of her leg off to stop it. Um, so during that hunt, actually, she wasn't able to walk. Um, we actually had a, uh, um, a wheelchair ATV contraption donated, and we found the buffalo, and we were able to put her in the chair, and we you know, crossed a thousand yards in this wheelchair ATV, and then at the time it came to stock, we all carried her. We carried her up to get within a few hundred yards, and she set up on a hunt, and she was able to kill the buffalo, and then a good friend of ours, Nevada Karasi, who's an ex-vet veteran as well from, from, from the Air Force, who's an excellent carver who works for the Wild Gallery. He took the skull and made this amazing sculpture that they auctioned off at uh, Sheep Show. I can't remember how much it was. 100000 know, It was just over 100000 And the, the gracious individual that bought it, he bought it and then donated it back to Christy uh, as a gift. So it's, it's good to know that there's still true Americans out there and true patriots in our world. There wasn't, I, I, I sat in a, in a crowded room of, I don't know, a couple hundred people, and there wasn't a dry eye in that place. That was, that was amazing. Absolutely they did, amazing. They did a really good story telling her, telling her story. Right. With a video and so on. So, you know, on a podcast like this, for somebody to kind of hear, you know, about this event probably won't be as emotional. But to see this beautiful, young, um, girl that was serving our nation, uh, crew chief on a Chinook that went down in combat, lose her leg, um, and then to have an organization that's helping her through that, through hunting, uh, you know, and everybody that's in that room loves hunting, otherwise they wouldn't be there. Yeah. Um, and they're all great Americans and super patriots, right? You know, it was a really super kind of magical thing to see that all come together. They also, somebody yelled up, you know, there's just a raise, and I think people were running up and just putting money in a boot up to the top, and I think they raised like 18K or something like that for her. But the, all the money that went towards the, the carp uh, bison school actually went to Wounded Warriors Outdoors to then further promote, you know, healing and transformation and that type of stuff. It's easy for a cryptic to get behind those types of activities because of our background you know, our military experience and, you know, also all of our relations we maintain there. And then to tie it back into the conservation aspect as well, as well. in this case, Wild Sheep Foundation, right. which is an entity that we support heavily, it just becomes that much easier for Cryptic to be, you know, a major player in the event, or in, or in, the, in this case, in the hunt and in the, in the whole experience. You guys are really good about giving back. I mean, to... Not just the conservation in the hunting industry, but also, you know, the Wounded Warrior Outdoors and, and lots of other things. And that, me personally, I want to thank you for that because it's, it's uh, overwhelmingly and I appreciate it. Well, I, mean, I know you mean that too. I know your father served in the military, which a lot of people don't know and actually had a lot of experiences in Vietnam. And I didn't know that either until I think 2012. But uh, yeah. 
that's just another connection that uh, another connection that I think that Cryptic maintains uh, with the Eastman brand. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. Man, that's just amazing. It's so nice and refreshing to hear a company like that that uh, uh, putting so much effort into building the best gear, um, um, giving back to conservation, giving back to the community. Um, wh what a great thing you guys have going here. This is really cool. Um, so, so is there anything else? So you guys talked about um, Bereno base layers. Um, do you guys also run a synthetic base layer too? It's in the works. Uh, we have some under uh, next-to-skin pieces that mm -hmm. aren't necessarily base layers, but we have some boxers and some things like that with the synthetic pieces. We have a lot of different prototypes um, going through, I guess, the right timing to where we can have mutual offerings with different fabrics on the base layer, but right now, Merino rules, hands down, it's hard to get you know, away from the programs we have in place. We do have a new Merino program this year where we are offering an ultra lightweight, a midweight, and a heavyweight. Oh, that's really cool. So for the early season hunts, you can use that super lightweight yeah. and then, um, well, kind of suit for your hunt and the conditions you're going to face. And Merino is, is king. It just, um, it, it's such a, a great fabric, does so, or a, a natural fabric that uh, comes from sheep, but um, it's such a great product and such a great base layer to wear during all these hunts. I know I like them for everything from an early season to an extreme late season. So that's cool to hear that you offer three different weights of that. Yeah, the lightweight stuff really for hot weather. Yep. You know, conditions. We have quite a few guys that really love our pattern and love our gear for in Arizona, in New Mexico, and you know, some of those more high temperature places. Even Idaho, you know, mm -hmm. early deer season, archery, it still can be down here in the valley, you know, in the 90s. Because yeah, you guys open like the middle of August, right? On some yeah. of those areas. Yeah, some of the, some of the tags are are uh, mid August, yeah, for sure. And so, you know, the antimicrobial scent control, you know, all these things that I'll play in. Um, and once you get going with the program, it's just easy to introduce a new weight. Like you know, you go from say 110 grams to 300 grams, and now you've got a piece that's great for an outerwear. In cold weather, uh, winter, also a base layer, but that ultra ultra lightweight stuff is really designated for hot conditions in Africa, um, early season bow hunting. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I use it all the time for the early season bow hunts um, uh, for both mule deer and then for antelope too. Um, it's so many hot weather hunts, and us bow guys, it's tough to find a piece that'll work where you can have a good pattern out there. Um, so yeah, I like that lightweight stuff. It looks good too. I'm pretty happy with how our print turned out on the program. Mm -hmm. Yep, for so, sure. So, what's the future for Cryptic? Where are you guys headed? The State of the Union? Yeah. <laughs> the State of the Union, but where are you headed? So, the, uh, the programs that we're most focused on today, right now, is um, with the US Spectrum. And we have uh, programs that are delivering this week and also on Friday. They're going into human factors testing and field testing, probably the term that everyone would know. Um, and there's an extremely high probability that uh, units that are anonymous with, you know, kicking ass and taking names 
on both the Navy side and the Army side would be running an encrypted, branded, encrypted camera gear. Those are all what's called very compliant. So that means made in the USA. It actually means every single thing. Um, and they, once those mature and, and those programs come to fruition, then they will also become available to the U.S. civilian uh, market in, in months or years ahead as well. So the battlefield, the backcountry, besides just what Claycorn and I did when we were, you know, growing up and spent the majority of our adult life with turning ragheads into dirt, has now come <laughs> back around again, and now we're, you know, still working heavily with. Uh, the U.S. military and uh, and primarily um, U.S. special operations. So it's a super cool thing, um, and it's enjoyable because even though we left the military, we loved it and we loved every aspect of it, and we get to continue to interact with individuals and have strong relationships with and forward in combat, um, and still you know serve our nation in that aspect, um, and then. On the flip side, we also get to do what we truly love, which is to go hunt and spend time in the outdoors, either with our buddies or on our own or with our family. And so the battlefield, the backcountry continues. And I guess the State of the Union address is that it's probably never been stronger than it is right now. And uh, we're extremely hopeful that uh, the future holds. Uh, you see Cryptic on CNN when they're showing, you know, what's happening in some new in in on the on the opposite side, the hunting industry, this altitude uh, line, which you built specifically for the hunting side, right? Correct. So, and that's going to grow, and you're going to start marketing that, or you have been. I mean, you've done some stuff with us in the magazines. You've been marketing that stuff to the hunter, and I assume that line is going to grow and become more, you know, taking starting at the what you guys are called. I think Justin called it the sheep guys, and start building it down. Um, to be more useful for, you know, Brian and the, the low country antelope hunting and yeah. on and on. Well, you know, we've ran altitude in Alaska, the Northwest Territories, Tiburon Island, Mexico, um, Sonora, Mongolia, Azerbaijan. And to be quite frank is that we've, in some of those lowland areas, we've just been, holy cow, this is part of the main so regardless of what environment you're going into, then the end user really needs to be educated and understand what they're getting and why they're getting it for X price and why it's priced this way. And the education process is something that, you know, is going to take some time. But the marketing is underway. The cells are actually already, you know, I would say very, very good for an initial launch on a program of this caliber. Um, and there's going to be a lot more organic marketing that occurs because the individuals that are purchasing altitude right now have ultra high-end type hunts right. uh, on the radar, and that'll hit this fall. And so you'll see a lot of organic, you know, discussion and talking and so on, um, and you know, that type of uh, natural word-of-mouth um, discussion about the line. The other answer to your question is yes, there is new products that are going to fall into this. It's a super clean collection as it stands, but there's new accessories. There's new things that we're bringing in that will augment the collection as well. And it will continue to expand and grow, um, but be very focused. 
Can you buy the current altitude line right now? Yes. So it's, it's available now. Mm-hmm. And Cryptic.com. Okay. And there is discussion about some other venues you'll be able to purchase it from that it still need to materialize, but it's quite possible you'll be able to buy it in Canada. Uh, direct, hands-on, um, I guess you'd call that like a, a pro shop type environment. Um, and then, you know, there, there potentially is some other interest. But it will not be like mainstream broadband, big box, Cabela's, Sportsman's, where our other collections are. And that's primarily because it truly, truly is like the premier fabrics. And it would, it would be even higher, more expensive at you know, the big boxes. Yeah, and I, uh, along with that, too, you know, I've also heard, um, and, and I'm going to try on some of this stuff here before I leave, but that your fit is really good on your gear. And I think that's a big piece of it, like having the right fabric, um, the, the right technical piece for where you're at, but also the fit for when you're bow hunting or rifle hunting or whatever you're doing. But the right fit is everything where it's non-restrictive. It fits around you right. And we're all built different, but it's trying to find that happy medium for us that, that fits right for the size. And so I've heard really good things about your, your gear that way too yeah well that's a major important part of the whole entire collection um there are different considerations for sure when we our military fit collection is guys that are benching 400 pounds and that's me you know (laughs) (laughs) 27 inch waist guys um but uh you know one of the things that's a a good aspect of the cryptic fit collection is the layering capabilities there if it works correctly which 99.9% of the time it does, um, you should be able to buy size large jacket one, two, three, and then layer them accordingly from mid layer, you know, a more robust layer to your outer layer rain gear or hard shell. And it all still is comfortable and you're able to still move, in your case, buying the bow hunt, which, you know, acoustic signatures come in to play. You've got how loud the fabrics are. There's different pieces that we have in our collection that are specific to a bow hunter that you really never have to worry about that and then you know you get into some other collections and other pieces and you know if it's the right hunter doesn't care if he hears a little bit of fizz when you pull or, or you're going to rack your bolt or whatever else but but the the fix should at least keep you comfortable it should work as a system and you should be able to layer up and layer down quickly enough mm-hmm it's amazing. Um, I love the attention to detail in this company all the way. I've, I've heard Josh's name mentioned a couple times, attention to detail with the threads, with the fit, with the camo pattern. Um, and I, I think that's what's building a great company for you is just that attention to detail. So um, I just want to thank you guys so much for sitting down and taking the time. Um, really enjoyed getting to know you here through lunch and through the podcast. And um, yeah, thanks for being on. Hey, again, thanks you guys for coming by, stopping in. Hope we can return the favor back up to Wyoming and say hello to you guys as well. Anytime. Thanks, guys. All right. I'm here with Butch, one of the founders here at Cryptic, and uh, we talked him into telling us a hunting story. So, Butch, what do you got for us? Well, there was a lot of different options to choose from. And, um, you know, by far, my my favorite hunting I do is with my, my kids, with my daughters. And I, I, I never pulled the trigger again, never killed another thing myself, but I got to hunt with them. I would be but I want to tell you a story about a hunt that I did last year in Azerbaijan for tur. 
So I didn't wait, know. wait, wait. So tell us where's Azerbaijan on a freaking map? Yeah. For right. us idiots, that I'm I'm close to getting continents right. Okay. So you know, if you've heard of Iran, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Azerbaijan is straight north of Iran and touches Iran. So they border. They border. Oof. And then to the west you have Armenia, and then to the north you have Russia, Oof. and then to the east you have the Black. That's Azerbaijan. So you're telling me it's a pretty complex. Oh yeah. <laughs> every three times a day reminded me how calm of a place it was. A <laughs> lot, yeah. lot of man dresses. Uh, there was a few. There wasn't as many as you journeyed south and down Iran, but yes, there was some memories that were brought up and questioning on what we were doing as we got into in the country. The hardest part of getting there was the travel. I think total from the time we left the U.S. out of San Francisco till we were in hunting camp was 48 hours or something like that. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, I just know. got back from Zimbabwe, same thing, 47 hours, 47 yeah. hours of travel. It's insane. Yeah. And that's, I'm not talking travel, like go to, like, I'm sure it's the same thing. Not, you don't go to a hotel. It's 40 hour, 47 hours in a hotel or in a airport or an airplane, period. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, it was a lot of travel to go. What we were doing for sure, but uh, on this hunt, we were hunting a tur, and you know, 10 months prior to this hunt, I didn't even somebody asked me if we wanted to go tur hunting, and I was like, What's a tur? (laughs) Basically, just like a turd, but without the D. (laughs) You have to Google it to see a picture of them. But they're this badass animal, they're in the goat family, but they look a lot like a ram, and they sweep back and they're super heavy, and they live at extreme altitudes, and all the terrain over there. Like vertical. So uh, there was a group of us that went over. Um, we were hunting out of the Kaldag region, which is kind of a famous little area in Azerbaijan, known for hunting turf, extremely steep. And um, on one of these hunts, our base camp was like at 8,500 feet, and we were transitioning out of base camp and go up and you know hunt around 10, 11,000 feet, and then come back down into base camp. And one day. Uh, Myself and Claycorn and one of our good friends, uh, Jeff Green from Spallen, all three of us were together, and we had two non-English-speaking guides, if you could call them that. The only thing they know is, shoot, shoot, three, two, <laughs> one, and that's it. They don't know anything else in English. And as we were transitioning down this ridge, we could see the camp below us. It was about five, 600 meters as the crow flies. We were transitioning into a saddle. When the saddle took us right into camp, and we'd actually um, shot a tur, and they had processed this tur in our camp. And as we're approaching camp and we're walking down this nice little ridge, I looked across, and about eight, nine hundred meters away is this bear, a brown bear, and it looks just like an interior grizzly bear from Alaska, except it's got bigger ears. And we were like bear, and they saw the bear, and we're just kind of watching it, and it was no big deal. We set up, everybody stopped, and the bear is coming towards us, and we're going towards the bear, and we're both going into the saddle that we need to take a hard right and go into camp. The wind is blowing from the camp up the draw into the saddle. And so (laughs) as we're watching the bear and kind of setting up on on it, kind of looking at it, it all of a sudden gets the wind and turns towards the camp and starts to bomb off the hill at like, 30 miles an hour. It looked like somebody rolled their four-wheeler off of a cliff. It's just going full board. 
Oh boy. And that's when our non-English speaking guide started yelling, choo, 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 choo. And so this thing is like hauling and the tents, there's horses there, there's guys out there, they have no idea what's going on. Uh, and I set up on the, I set up on the gun, um, clay cord range, ranges, give me a range and I shoot this bear. One shot. Right now. Big dust storm off the side of where it was coming down. And, uh, you know, it disappeared. And so we continue down through the saddle, go into camp, and we finally get to one of the actual English-speaking individuals to part of our group. And the other guys start to rap in Pashtun or whatever and tell him, and he turns to me and he says, you really shot the bear? And I was like, yeah, that thing was coming. It was like 150 yards away from camp. He didn't even know how close we were or where it was so it was about getting dark that time, and the next morning we get up, we're going to go hunt, and we're starting to transition up there. He didn't ever really believe us, and uh, he said, you know, let's go check for this bear. And he says, you stay here, I'll go. He bombs off the hill, pretty soon we hear him yelling, um, come down, come down, come down. He found this bear that was all piled up. Sounds cool, bear running to camp, save the camp. I'm thinking protection of property, whatever else. They hauled this thing out with a rope. Um, they took care of the process that we went on our, about our way. Uh, as this hunt progresses, I get a hold of our booking agent to put this thing together, and he's like, you did what? And I'm like, yeah, this bear was coming to camp, I just need to figure out how we're going to get paperwork, you know, vet paperwork and all that. And he's like, dude, you shouldn't have shot that bear. And I'm like, why not? <laughs> oh my gosh. And he goes, well, you can't bring it back to the U.S. And I said, well, it's legal says, yeah, but not, you can't bring it back to the U.S. It's like a polar bear. You can shoot one legally in Canada, but you can't bring it back. Yeah, exactly. Society's animal, right? So it turns out this is a Syrian brown bear that I shot that was storming into our camp. And then I get into this whole deal about, you know, you're going to pay for the bear to shoot the bear. You shot the bear, you're going to pay for it. <laughs> so, long story short is I ended up shooting a bear that was going to tear a camp or end up you know, paying for it, um, and I ended up just still an Aussie young and have no idea where it is now. But uh, the king of Shecky, as we called him, he was the guy that kind of controlled the Caldag area and all these areas and stuff. I sat down with him to kind of negotiate this deal out. And I said, you know, I've killed a lot of bears in Alaska and Idaho and everywhere. I really wasn't here to shoot a bear. I was here to shoot a turf. I'm going to a turf, to an interpreter, just telling him right. everything. I'm trying to negotiate my way out of, like, having to pay animal that I didn't know he was on a side list and I also didn't know how much it cost and his only comment back to me was well now you've also shot a Syrian brown bear so congratulations and there was no negotiation <laughs> that was it anyway I mean it's not that cool or funny of a story that, that well I don't know that that's every guy's nightmare you shoot a you know you're in the northern Idaho you shoot a freaking grizzly bear coming in on you. What's what's the what's the repercussions of that? Same thing, even yeah. if it's average. Well, well, and you're in a different country, and your guides are telling you shoot, 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 and it's a bear's running down towards the camp. Like your job is to listen to your guides, not to try to decipher, you know, whether you can or can't, or you know, you're trusting those guys Just as well. Minute. Let me get the let me get the booking agent on the. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was one of those situations where I look back on it, and the only thing I would have done differently was say, hey, 
Jeff, you shoot the bear, or Josh, you shoot the bear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> other than that, just pocket book. <laughs> yeah, other than that, it was going to be a rodeo for sure. A major rodeo. I mean, did you get some good po- photos at least? Yeah, I've got some photos. <laughs> I've never done anything with them, but we have some photos. And um, How big a bear was it? You know, it was a, compared to an interior grizzly, it was a good good bear. It was a really good bear. Um, I would have loved to have been able to have it, you know, and kind, of, mm-hmm. kind of reminiscing, that type of thing. Uh, definitely not like a coastal right. or anything like that, but, you know, a good, decent interior grizzly would be in comparison. Um, the only difference is they got like these major ears. They're like rabbit ears. Um, Look through the mouse, huh? Yeah, I'll show you a picture Oh wow! Um, you just never know what type of adventure you're going to get into when you're when you're hunting across the world like that, and all of a sudden you're into an adventure of negotiation for some bear that you didn't want to shoot. <laughs> exactly what happened, man. And you're right. You don't know. We we were surprised to even see bears. We had no idea. Uh huh was never part of our our uh, briefing or pre-brief or whatever the, the case is. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it adds to it. And looking back on it, it was probably one of the most recent you know, experiences where uh, we found ourselves in a situation where we had to shoot something in you know, preservation-type mode and, and then find out later on we're going to be penalized for it. So. Well, it could have been worse. I mean, you could have you shot the <laughs> National Monument and still be in prison over there some crazy crap yeah we've, lots of check stations lots of sitting around at military outposts with your id as you go to drainage yeah you know there was a lot of tension going on between armenia and Azerbaijan at the time and armenia was supported by russia yeah. you know we were hunting around the russian border all that uh political conflict definitely plays into Oh man, what a cool looking bear he does. He just, um, he's got a great big head on him, but he's got giant ears and he is, he's colored, um, exactly like a grizzly bear would be colored. He's colored, um, kind of that grizzled blonde color on him. No, oh, that's wild looking. Yeah. Overall that home is a super, um, you know, extensive experience. Very, very steep terrain. That's the, how that home was the, probably the most scared I've ever been on a hunt before on a horseback, you know, where you're sitting on your bags, their tack looks like it's from the 1800s. And uh, to just be at the control of a horse that's just going. And this one horse I was on decided to stop and eat some grass. And I literally looked over my right side and there was a thousand foot drop and couldn't see the ground. And I'm like thinking if this thing, you know, spooks, gets stunned by a bee, whatever the case is, you know, if we go to the right, this is going to be pretty deep fall. Little experiences like that in a foreign country where the hardest part is the language barrier. You know, mm-hmm. Major, major difficulty understanding. Even when you have guys that speak English, they're not always around. Right. And uh, it's almost lonely. Well, it's it's difficult when you're sitting on you know a stock or something, and they're talking about you know what they're thinking, and you're wondering what they're thinking, and then they try to communicate it, and you're like. I don't get it. I don't understand. Hand gestures and everything else trying to explain it. Yeah, that's why I'm saying the only English I knew was shoot, shoot, and either it's number one, number two, or number three, meaning ram number one or ram number three. So uh, God, God forbid if they have five. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Three, two. <laughs> well, yeah, just such an adventure, like you say, with the travel and, and the language barrier, uh, and then the country sounds super gnarly. It sounds like one misstep and you're done. So you know, the whole thing was kind of looking back on it. They, there was a terrorist attack in um, Istanbul a week or so after we went back through um, in Turkey. And uh, that wasn't so good for home life, like from the wife going, why, you, you despise the Middle East, why would you go back to the Middle East? Why would you put yourself back in jeopardy? And then, oh, it's all safe, don't worry about it. And then all of a sudden, the headline CNN is, these guys clock themselves off at the freaking international side of the, of the terminal at the airport you just went to. So, right. Yeah, it's a it's contentious, you know, area to go in to leave that's great news, considering I think uh, guys going through there in like six months to go uh, Marco Polo sheep hunting. Yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of a port to go anywhere over there. It is. You just got to hold your breath and hope for the best. It's safer than the rest, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going to yeah. go through Iraq. Uh, no. No, that, that would not be good. I'm sure um, well, we got some play carriers here. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing, Butch. I appreciate it. Okay. Thank you. All right, guys. That's the episode. Uh, really fun to sit down with those guys from Cryptic. Uh, just great guys with great stories, and they, they really get along good, and they've really got a good relationship with the Eastmans. There's a, a lot of joking around and, and laughter and, and uh, back and forth, and so um, just fun to be a part of, fun that the Eastmans took me along on this tour and, and be able to meet those guys in person and, and uh, uh, just just they're putting out some of the highest quality gear out there. I just... Um, I. I couldn't be more impressed with that new Altitude series. So if you guys are in the market for some new gear, make sure to check out that Altitude series. And uh, they just keep evolving things. I, I really like their camo pattern. I like the the fit of their stuff. And like I say, just super impressed with their gear. Um, so uh, we're running that preseason special over there at Eastman. So um, a subscription $39.99. We'll throw in a, a Yeti tumbler. Um, so you can enter the code. It's... EEPSS17. Uh, enter that on the website and then you'll get the break and the, that Yeti tumbler. And uh, with that, boy, it's um, it, it's been a whirlwind here um, to Alaska and then back and then started antelope season and um, gosh, able to harvest a, a really nice antelope the other day hunting with my nine year old daughter. Um, it, it was just so cool that it all came together with, with her along and she was so excited and thrilled and just fun to see that on her face and, and, and then have her help with the whole process, you know, with the, the stalking and the shot and, and, uh, just put a perfect shot on that antelope. I mean, you, you couldn't have walked up and placed that arrow any better and he kind of ran off. And so, you know, able to kind of blood trail him down and have my daughter find him and then do the, the whole butchering process with her in the field and then out of the field as we butchered it up and got it in the freezer and and uh we uh you know she of course they're really interested in the the heart and the lungs and the liver they never get to really see that part unless they're along and so uh we brought out both the heart and the the liver and and uh, my daughter likes heart we cooked it up that night but uh just really cool to share that experience with her and 
And uh, then it's just getting ready for the next adventure. I got a, a buddy coming in. He's going to come in for just a, a few days, and we're going to hunt antelope with our bows. Of course, I'm done. I'm just going to be going along with them and, and maybe try to capture some footage or something like that. But uh, then after that, um, next Tuesday, that's four or five days away, I leave for Idaho for this high country mule deer hunt. I'm I'm super excited for it. I can't wait to get down there and just get started and see if I can't turn up one of these good bucks and and put a good stock together. So, um, got a bunch of leads on different places. Uh, scouting had it didn't really pan out like I wanted it to, but that's all the better. I just can't wait for the challenge of getting down there and and a bunch of new spots I want to check out and just start walking around with my bow in my hands and my glass in my pack and see if I can't turn up some good ones and put something together down there. So just really excited. We're in the heart of season right now. Hopefully you guys are traveling uh, to or from hunting or you know have a big trip planned or coming up. Um, it's just this excitement of looking forward to these trips, you know, that, that keeps us going, that, that keeps us enthused. And it's, it's just so nice to have this, this passion in our life, these things that we love to do. And so, um, just so fun this time of year, I can't wait and, and get done with that deer hunt. And then I've got some buddies coming out that are going to elk hunt around here. I've got my elk hunt planned and right into deer season and, and, uh, it's such a fun time of year, but it comes and goes really quick. So just going to try to enjoy it to the fullest. Every every minute I, I have a, uh, out in the field and every chance I get to be out in the field, I'm, I'm going to try to be out there and, and enjoying it and embracing it and, and uh, just try to get the most out of it. So, so fun. I hope you guys have that adventure coming up or uh, just getting done from one and uh, make sure to share with me your stories and and if you're successful share a harvest picture with me or make sure to tag me in your photos as always I just really appreciate the support you guys you guys have stuck with me um, you know as, as I've been trying to get that that audio quality figured out you know in a couple episodes and and uh, you guys have kept with me and and keep listening in and and I just want to continue to bring you guys quality content so thanks for the reviews on iTunes for the the follows on social media and of course the downloads on the podcast and, and reaching out to me and letting me know that you're enjoying it um, just means the the world to me when I when I get those messages that, that you guys like the content or like the podcast. And, and uh, so I just want to continue to do as, as, as good a job as I can do to bring you guys the, the best content I can. So um, with that, good hunting to all you guys. Hunt hard and, and uh, be safe and, and have fun. I'll check in with you guys next week. In fact, you know, I think we're going to bring out a bonus episode this week. So I think I'm going to release that uh, Alaska podcast that talks about that Alaskan adventure I had. And it's got just a ton of good tips about hunting Alaska and planning your own trip to Alaska. And whether that's doing it on the cheap like I did this last trip or getting a float plane, we kind of talk about all the options and, and what's needed in the planning phase of it. So it's a really good, fun episode I did with my buddy Chase and, uh, so look for that. Um, probably be releasing that here in the next couple days. Um, and with that, uh, yeah, hunt hard, be safe, and, and we'll talk to you guys soon.